Welcome to On Purpose, a podcast designed for all women that want to live this one messy, hard, fun, challenging, and exciting life we've been given on purpose and with intention. It is our heartfelt belief that women do that better when we're together, better when we are connected, better when we learn from each other. Each episode, you'll be hearing from Elizabeth on a variety of ways that we can be more intentional with our lives. We hope to inspire you and encourage you as we engage together on purpose. Here's your host, Elizabeth Pearson. Welcome to On Purpose. You know, a couple weeks ago, I had so much fun in a previous podcast with my good, dear friend, Heather Holloman. If you listen to that podcast, we met back in 1994 at our home away from home in Tuxedo, North Carolina, Camp Greystone. And we had such a great time of conversation that I had to invite her back. So welcome back, Heather. I am so glad to be back on this podcast. I love what you're doing. I love conversations with you. That's something that we've had for almost 30 years. Like I said, we started way back there having deep, meaningful conversations. In our last podcast, we talked about loving our neighbors well, and it was so encouraging to me. And actually, I'm still thinking and mulling on the whole mindset philosophy yes. and changing my mindset. So I'm excited to have that piece piece of takeaway for me. In that podcast, we talked about having good conversations as well. And I know that you recently wrote a book that's about to come out. Could you tell us about the, first of all, the name of that book and why you wrote it? Yes, it's called The Six Conversations, Pathways to Connecting in an Age of Isolation and Incivility. Ooh, I know. Don't you love that? <laughs> I love it. Okay. So I wrote this book. You're going to love this. I wrote this book because as a college professor, I was like, okay, my students are lonely. They're just connected. I had read this Digna Health study of 20,000 adults where over half of the U.S. population is saying that they no longer have meaningful conversations. I also was just really sad about, I shared with them the results of the Harvard grant study. It's the longest running research study in the world trying to answer the question, what is the single most determining factor of a happy life? And the research shows that it's warm, intimate connections with others, like being warmly connected to people. And my students would say, well, how do we find that? How do we get warmly connected? So I began to investigate all the research about how to have warm connections with each other. And I learned about the power of good conversations to make you have warm connections with others. So that's why I wrote the book. And I'm so excited to talk to you about it. Oh, you know, I love me some good conversation. And so I cannot wait to read this book. For those of you that did not listen to the last podcast that Heather was on, you've got to go back and listen to it. She joked about it that that she was the nerd sitting in the gazebo writing meaningful pieces. And I was on the tennis court or on rollerblades running around probably getting into trouble. But as different as we are, I think that's one of the neat connections that we have is the desire and the heart to have these meaningful conversations. Did your students find any ways that they could find warm connections just based on your research and what you offered them? Yes, this is what I've been learning and this is what I've been teaching. And you'll love this because you also are like this. So when I tell you what I learned, you'll feel good about yourself, Elizabeth, because you <laughs> naturally do these things. What I learned is, and it's much like our last podcast, if you're going to have a good conversation before I tell you all of the skills I learned, all the kinds of good questions to ask people. What I learned is you really need to have the right mindset. Surprise, surprise. Yep. But the four mindsets of a loving conversation. So you need to do these four things in order to feel warmly connected to someone. And if one of these four things is missing, you won't feel that loving connection. So first, you got to learn to be curious about other people. 
you have to believe the best about them and they have to know that you believe the best about them. You have to express concern and share your life. A lot of people are weak in one of those areas. You're really good at all four of those, but I needed to learn to believe the best about people. In the research, it's called unconditional positive regard. It means that rather than approaching your neighbor or your friend with suspicion and judgment, which is what the culture is right now, yep. there's a lot of incivility. To walk out of your house, practice being curious about other people, which is really tied to great mental health outcomes, curious people, socially curious people, when you're curious about other people in their lives, you're happier, it's better for your marriage, your parenting will thrive because you're asking really good questions rooted in curiosity. When you do those things, you will start that first foundation, that first mindset. But if you're not believing the best about someone, it doesn't matter if you're curious, it doesn't matter if you share your life, it shuts down the conversation if they can tell that you're suspicious and not believing good things about them. So that's what I've been teaching my students and helping them feel connected to each other with these mindsets, first of all. Again, for those that missed the last one, Heather is a professor of English, right, Heather, at yes. Penn State. She's always had such a way with words. And I see these in you, and I think it's, I think it's amazing. And I love how you said, if you don't have one of the things, you're not going to have the warm conversation. So there's always something that we can be strengthening. Which one do you find is the hardest for people typically? Right now, it's that not believing the best about people because of what we're seeing from the past five years in the, at least American culture, if you walk out of your house and you meet someone, you may be thinking, okay, who did they vote for in the election? What do they believe about vaccines? You're just suspicious. You're worried that you can't trust this person because they might have a different view than you do on an issue that you care about. But what I learned in my research is to choose to believe the best about someone. And how to do that is you, you really believe that they have a unique viewpoint on the world. They're a gift to the world. You can ask really good questions to figure out why they believe what they believe. But communicating in conversation that you like to be with someone, that you know you can learn something from them, that you enjoy their presence, that's really missing. And my students are growing in those areas. I'm growing in those areas. But a lot of people also aren't good at disclosing personal information about themselves. They're not vulnerable. That's, so what, too. that's what I thought you were going to say, expressing and sharing in your life, your story, because yeah. there, there's such a facade seems to be up with a lot of people and vulnerability and authenticity. I know they're buzzwords, but I really do think particularly women have a real hard time with that. So I was thought for sure that's what was going to be your number one. But you did say it, it's also another area where people have a difficult time. Well, actually, it could be all of them. Have you ever been with someone out to lunch and they do not ask you one question about yourself? Like yeah. you're doing all the work? <laughs> that is driving my students crazy. Like they'll say, you know, I went on a date or I was with my sorority sisters and no one asked me one good question about myself. So Teaching people the art of curiosity. Now, it's interesting because Ash grew up in North Carolina, and there are actually etiquette books from the 1800s that say it's rude to ask people personal questions. And so in his culture, the way you find information about people is you gossip with other people. You never ask a good question about oh, the person <laughs> And I thought, this is really bad. So whatever it is, if you're listening and you're like, okay, well, I'm weakest, I don't know how to ask good questions. I don't know how to start a conversation with a good question. The second half of the book, after you learn about the mindsets, is how to ask questions rooted, and this is why it's called the six conversations, rooted in the six dimensions of what it means to be human. So anytime you're with someone, 
You can ask about the six dimensions, something about their social life, their physical life, their emotional life, their cognitive life, meaning what have you been thinking about lately? What are you learning? How are you making sense of this? Volitional is the choices they're making. If I was like, Elizabeth, how did you decide to start a podcast or what are your next choices for next year? That's a volitional conversation. And the last one is spiritual because a lot of people in your lives really do want to talk deeply about faith, about spiritual things, about their spiritual journey, but we're not good at asking questions in that direction. So in any conversation, you can ask one of those kind of six categories of conversations. And in my research, I learned the easiest questions to ask that people forget to ask is about people's physical lives. People really do like to talk about how they're sleeping, their bodies, things they're enjoying in their physical spaces. So the book really gives you all the skills you need to ask questions that you would never think of asking, but people really love, especially if someone's grieving or hurting. I learned from a trauma expert to ask them, where are you carrying your pain in your body? Isn't that good? Yes. You'll get so many great answers. So I've just learned so much as I researched this book on how to ask good questions. So the six categories and then the four mindsets will give you all that you need to have warm connections with other people. You know, I love to talk. I need this book. I need an early, early, early release. I love to ask people questions. It's funny, I would never think to ask about the physical. I mean, other than if I knew that they weren't feeling well, or they had an injury or something, I wouldn't think about although now I just turned 50, you know, and I feel like I have a little more aches and pains than I used to. So now maybe as I'm entering second half of living, maybe I'll, I'll be thinking be more cognizant of some of the physical questions. Yeah. How did you sleep? Well, you're really good at the parent in the parenting realm. I think you're going to like the parts about how to get kids to open up and easy questions to ask them. Because one thing I learned is if someone walks through the door and you say, how was your day? That question is hard for the brain because it's, uh, you're going to love this. It's a weak verb. Was is a weak verb. And they're like, I don't know. It's like an existential question. But if you put a strong verb in there, like surprise, what surprised you about your day? Or if I'm in the car with my daughter and she had an exam, I won't say, how was the exam? They'll give you a one word answer. But if you say, hey, if you say, what surprised you about that test today? What surprised you? That opens up everything. I learned that. I also learned that kids love numbers questions, anything with a number in it. So if my daughter gets in the car, instead of saying, how was your day? I'll say, okay, on a scale of one to 10, how was your day? And she'll say, it was a six. And guess what you say next? What would it have taken to get it to a 10? You're going to learn more about your child in that question than any other conversation during the day. Yes. And oh, listen, I love me a scale of one to 10. I use that all the time. I did. Yes. You're such a good mom. You know something and you knew. Make it easy. Give well, it a one to well, 10. Even with friends, like asking that question, because it does, it gives it a more magnitude or I don't know. I don't have the verbs that you have, but it is more meaningful. And it's, I have so many thoughts. My sweet Finley, she's my youngest. She asked me, every single day. Mom, how was your day? And you're right. It's like when that is asked, and I know her heart behind it, And but she, there's not a day that she does not ask me that question. But you're right. It does tend to be a, oh, pretty good or, oh, not bad. It's just like a short, simple thing. And we used to, when all of our kids were at home, and especially when they were younger, and we seemed to have many more family dinners. Right now, we ha- we're just down to what we call the final four. It's David, me, yeah. and then Whit and Finley. It's just the four of us. But we used to have them at, around the dinner table, and we would 
every single night we did our highs and lows and we did that for a while. But then we started asking a little bit more pointed questions of, you know, what did you fail at today? What did you succeed at today? Just trying to get a different way for them to open up. And I've also found in conversations when I am with my boys, they do much, much, much better when we're side by side, whether it's in the car, yep, side by side, not looking at each other. And with my girls, much better across looking at each other directly, having that that conscious, hey, I've got you, I see you. And they do much, they open up more that way for me. I don't know about for you, but that works. Well, I have the two girls, but I do have a lot of neighbors, though, and a lot of people I interact with. And I am aware, like, okay, certain people don't like this kind of intense (laughs) face-to-face. So you're right. What I love is the fire pit or anything where you're able to circle up around something and roasting marshmallows. That's good. But I love even asking little kids hard questions like, what have you been thinking about lately? Or what thought goes through your mind that you can't get rid of? Because you'll be a gift to that person because a lot of little kids really struggle with their thoughts and they don't know how to make sense of things. So if you're ever with children, I love saying, what have you been thinking about lately? And just see what they say. It's really fun. A lot of people don't honor each other, especially little children, by asking in the cognitive area. Yeah, what's your brain doing? What are you thinking about these days? They love those questions. Little kids do, and I do too. <laughs> and and <laughs> what have you been thinking about, Elizabeth? I well, let me tell you. No, I have. I do. I have so many thoughts on that. I love the whole idea of the curiosity. But you also said you've noticed that some people don't respond to maybe such intense questions. And I think that's just a lot of us knowing and understanding awareness, you know, self-awareness and others' awareness. And and that's a huge piece, I would think. But believing the best about other people, wow, hit the nail on the head when you talked about it, especially in this day and age, especially in this day and age. Yes, that has become my teaching philosophy, like really believing the best about someone, meaning things that they do aren't going to change my positive opinion of them. And the research shows that when people believe that you are believing the best about them. They're more creative. They're happier. They'll open up to you. And it was rooted in what I learned about the theology of grace. God loves us no matter what we do, that his unmerited favor, whatever that is, however you describe it, it's that idea of just express love to people. They don't have to earn your love. Just love them, believe the best about them. And sometimes I like to picture them as a child. If, If I have a neighbor that's really from a different political position or ranting all the time about something and I want to just get angry, I try to picture that person as a little child. And I ask myself, tell me, or I ask them, tell me the story about how you got this opinion. Tell me the story of how you became so passionate about whatever it is. And that curiosity and that believing the best really helps us connect, even though we're going to believe totally different things. So that is really hard in the culture right now is the anger people have that's Uh, dividing them. Oh, absolutely. I'm seeing it everywhere, especially as election season. Local politics. Yeah. Yes. I tell you what, the idea of thinking about somebody else as a child is a game changer. And I have not done that with other people, but I know my friend and mentor helped me do that with me. Like when I am hard on myself or when I start to judge, why did you do that again, Elizabeth? Or those types of thoughts. She's think about you, like nine-year-old little Elizabeth. Would you say that to her? And no, No. no, I wouldn't. And you're exactly right. I have two more questions as we wrap up for you. First of all, as you've been doing this research and as you've uncovered all of that you've uncovered, covered and seen what you've seen. How has this impacted you personally and your conversations and your relationships? After I completed the research, I couldn't believe that people in my life would say, 
Heather, please come back to my house. I love talking to you. A woman who was grieving the loss of her son said to me on Monday, I'm paying my therapist a fortune and she does not ask me the kind of good questions that you know how to ask. So the biggest change in my life is feeling close to people, developing friendships. And also it's really helped my marriage and my relationship with my children just to think of, okay, I want to be curious, believe the best, express concern and share my life. And I never get stuck in a conversation again. I always know where to go next. And I just love that I was able to gather all this research and kind of report to the common reader. Here's what all the research has said. Let's go do this. Oh, man, I need this book. I really do. It's coming. It's coming. Oh, my goodness. We'll get you the early release that already went to print. So we're just waiting. We're just waiting. You know, I, I always, like I said earlier, I love to talk and everybody communicates, but few connect. And so I think this can take my communication and my conversations and relationships with others to the next level. So I am super excited. And last question, what is one thing we can do today to be more purposeful and having deep, meaningful conversations with others? Ask people to tell you the story of, and then whatever it is. It will help you so much. For example, women love to compliment each other's outfits. Instead of saying, I love that dress, say to your friend, I want to know the story of how you got that dress. Because people love to tell stories. They don't necessarily love the direct question like, where'd you get that dress? I've been trying to tell me the story. And then when they tell you the answer, you're going to learn which category of conversation They actually like to talk about, here's an example. My neighbor bought a boat. Instead of me saying, why did you buy the boat? I said, could you tell me the story of why you bought that boat? If he tells the story of the people he was with and all the friends, my neighbor likes social conversations. If he talks about how hard it is to rig up that boat and clean that boat and all how his body is so sore about the boat, he wants me to ask about his body. If he talks about decision-making, how he bought the boat, all the things, that's a volitional conversation. If he wants to go into the thought process, you know what I mean? Yes. Or if he wants to go with, hey, let me tell you the story of how I asked God for a boat. This guy likes to talk about spiritual things. So ask your neighbor, tell me the story of however they answer. Notice what category of conversation they like to talk about. It's going to change your life, Elizabeth. Oh, You're going to love uh, this book. I mean, you always teach me something. You've always been so much smarter than I am. I've never even heard no, of the word volitional. Volitional. I'm like, volitional. I don't even know what that volitional is. Volitional is choice. <laughs> I know. Volition. Like human volition. No. Actually, that is your best gift for a child in distress. Just say, what choices do you have right now? That is a volitional question. What okay. choices do you have? Okay. But anyway. I love how you break it down for me. Some things have never changed. And I love that about you. I love this conversation together. And if Laura Hollowell or Jim Boy are listening, maybe they'll get us back to Greystone together. Oh my gosh. Yes. Wouldn't that be amazing? Thank you, Heather, for joining us again. Thank you to our listeners for joining us. We actually recorded this episode with Heather a few months ago. And since that time, her book has come out and you can order it on Amazon called The Six Conversations. And if you're in the Atlanta area, we would encourage you to come to the next exchange, which is November 10th. You can get your tickets at www.theexchangeus.org. And we're going to be continuing this conversation and jumping in deeper how to have better conversations with those you love and even those you're meeting for the first time. We would love to have you there.